the Lord. And God bless you to everyone in Philly Tab. Come on, let's put our hands together for our brothers and sisters in Philadelphia. Hallelujah. Our family has grown. We were there last week. It was so good to be with the people. You know, Tuesday was so special because there were about 500 people in this building seeking the face of God. And then we had a little over 50 people in that building in Philadelphia. And we were seeking God at the same time. And what was so encouraging to me is that the same spirit of God that was here was over there. And God was meeting us and blessing us. Isn't it good to seek the face of God together? Come on, let's praise God. Hallelujah. That's why the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. It's because that's where you learn how to seek the face of God. Let me tell you something, whether you're watching online or at, in Philadelphia or right here, if you seek him, you'll find him. And when you find him, you will find his favor. We've, we've done so many different messages, spoken so many different messages on the life of Joseph. And it's been a challenging journey for him, but he stayed faithful even in unfavorable circumstances because early on, uh, uh, Joseph decided that he wanted to live the life that God had for him. He wanted to live the dream. Anybody here want to live the dream? Anybody in Philly, you want to live the dream of God? Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. And so what's so powerful about his story is that now you're going to see that it is always worth it to honor God and to live for God. It's always worth it to follow God and to be obedient to God. It's always worth it. Because your life takes on not just an earthly, but an eternal impact. It makes an eternal impact, and that's what you see. So here's what, as we get to this point today, I need to tell you that, um, and, we, and I'm praying this for you, I'm praying this for you, because this is counter to our current culture like I've never seen before. But I'm praying that you and I would understand in our spirits, in our minds and in our hearts, that in order to truly become a fruitful person, and fruitful is better than successful. Fruitful is successful, but with the eternal blessing and hand of God on it. Fruitful is not just successful in an earthly sense, it's in a holistic kingdom life sense. And if you want to do that, you have to play the long game of honoring God. You have to live not for short-term success, but for the long-term smile of God upon your life. You see people over the years, and I'm literally old enough to say this now, but you see people over the years, they take the short-term gains for the long-term losses. Don't play the game that way. Live to honor God. Live for the smile of God. Live 
for the favor of God. Joseph held on, Joseph waited, and Joseph received God's favor. The New Testament actually nails this down, and today's message is a little different because I'm gonna honor the story text, but I'm gonna actually teach from, from a different place in the scripture. So I got, a, I got a lot to say, but let me anchor this first from the New Testament. Acts chapter seven, uh, verses nine through 10 says this. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt, but God was with him and you rescued him from all of his troubles. And God gave him, everyone say that word with me, favor. God gave him favor. God gave him favor before Pharaoh, before the greatest enemies of the kingdom of God. God gave him favor. God is able to give his child favor wherever you are, where, whatever is going on. When God is with you, who can be against you? Somebody believe that in this place. Hallelujah. But God, and God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. The title of the message today is Dreamers Live for God's Favor. I want to encourage you, live for God's favor. Alana and Ozzy, I was praying for you this week, and I'm telling you right now, he loves you. He's chosen you. The favor of God is upon your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Live for the favor of God in the midst of the disappointments, in the midst of the hardship there in Philadelphia. Andrew, who's newly saved, right? The Woolen family who's serving God live for the favor of God. We were, when I was in prayer meeting, Mike Woolen's son, Gabe, was there, and he was, he was 13 years old, all of these adults, and here's this young man with his hands up like this. I'm telling you right now, God will be with Gabe no matter where he goes, no matter if he will honor God, if he will worship God. How many believe the favor of God will be upon Gabe's life? Anybody believe that's what he has for our families, for our children? That's who he is. You gotta live for the favor of God. So let me give you real quickly the definition of favor. Favor is something done or granted out of goodwill rather than from justice or repayment. God doesn't owe us, but he loves us. It's the state of being approved or held in high regard. It's the approval and support of God and men which lead to opportunity and blessing. You see, when God supports you, sooner or later, it'll take a while. It took a while in Joseph's life. But sooner or later, it opens up into opportunity and blessing. I want to read a couple more to you. Okay, in the New Testament, we use the, Paul's favorite word in the New Testament was grace. Okay, 
all of the epistles were open with grace and peace. One says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Here's what grace is. Grace in the, the favor, that word favor in Acts chapter seven, that word favor, it literally means grace. Grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor, kindness that is beyond what is due or usual. It is a demonstrated delight. There's so many things to the favor of God. And let me put it this way. Favor is the fruit of deeply pursuing God's friendship and pleasure. Favor is the fruit of deeply pursuing his friendship and his pleasure. So before I read the rest of the text, I want to pray. I want to encourage you. Look, Life, before we get to heaven, life is filled with disappointments, hardships, challenges. Yes, this is not easy on this side. But if you live for the friendship and for the approval of God, he will bless you and make you fruitful beyond anything you can understand you will make an impact that will not make sense. It will go way beyond. Anybody here want to make an impact with your life? Hallelujah. So come on, lift your hands in Philadelphia, watching online. Lift your hands. Father, we come before your mighty throne. And God, we thank you that as we open up your word, your word is life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, we want your smile. We want your favor upon our lives and upon the people we love, upon the people around us, upon our children and our children's children. God, we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant on that day. So Lord, today we open up our hearts, Lord God. Lord, not just in two cities, but even, Lord, from different places around the world as we tune in. And God, we want to live for your favor. We want to live for the smile, the pleasure, the friendship of our God and King. Yes, Lord. Whatever you got to do in us, do it, Lord God. Fill us with the faith that enables us to obtain your favor. Bless this word in our time, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Jesus. Praise him. Come on, praise him in Philadelphia. Put your hands together over there. Hallelujah. So usually what I would do now is I would read the text, which I'm going to read to you, this section of the story, and I would preach right out of the story. I'm not going to do that today, but I am going to give you the application points, uh, um, and you'll understand in a, in a little bit later, because I want to make sure that when you leave, you have clear instruction. And so I'm going to give you seven principles a little bit later on the favor of God. But let's go right from Genesis, Genesis chapter uh, 41, beginning with verse 38. It says, so now remember, last time we were reading this, Joseph is called from the prison to the palace from the prison to the palace. 
And then he hears Pharaoh's dream, and now he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and then the absolute favor of God explodes upon his life. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man one in whom is the spirit of God. Let me tell you something. If people we will declare about you, this woman, this man, the spirit of the living God is in this person. I'm telling you right now, God will get the glory and you will see the manifestation of the favor of God upon your life. Hallelujah. It will happen. It says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. And you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are, are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. From the prison to the palace to an amazing position of influence and impact. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a, a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot as second in command and people shouted, shouted before him, make way. Everybody say make way. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that the people of Egypt shouted make way for this foreigner, this prisoner, this unknown person. When God decides to bless your life, they will shout make way, hallelujah. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the, the name Zaphnath-Paneah and gave him Azanath, daughter of Potiphar. I need to pause here and let me tell you, there were a, a, a season before the devil offered a counterfeit. The devil offered Potiphar's wife. But now the true blessing is Potiphar's daughter. The devil's, what the devil offers you always looks close, but it's not the real McCoy. Come on, somebody say amen. How many want the real deal from God? You might be here and he's tempting you and flirting with, with, the, with the cheap and the fake. Don't go for it. Wait for the blessing of God. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let me keep going. I got a lot more to say. It says, gave him as an daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of ab abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was 
beyond measure. And then there's a little, is this where we stop? Yes, it was beyond measure. And so Joseph was a, was a good steward. He was prepared for this moment. He was prepared for this moment. He stayed faithful to God. And I wanna tell you real quickly, three things that happened for Joseph. Three things that the favor of God did. Number one, favor opened doors for Joseph. You can go look this up. I put the verses here because since I'm not preaching out of this text, I want you to be able to go. By the way, you could go on our app. All of these notes are in the app. And I need to say one more thing about this. Look, we've preached, I don't know what sermon this is, eight or nine, we've got maybe two more. But I wanna encourage you, if you really want the favor of God upon your life, if you wanna live the dream of God, go back and study this and study, listen to the messages, look at the notes and then apply it to your life. This isn't like, this isn't not one, two, three. Okay, this is not one, two, three. And all preaching should not just be one, two, three. Pastor, cook this thing up, let me have it. And then now that I have it, it's easy. It's not easy. You gotta go home. You got to pray and you got to drink it in. And you got to submit and surrender and yield and worship. You got to get on your knees and say, God, have your way with my life. Hallelujah. You got to seek him. But how many know when we seek him, we find him. And when we find him, we find favor. So favor opens doors, even prison doors. You might be in a prison, but the favor of God can open doors. That's what happened. Number two, favor positions you, as we just read. He went from being a prisoner to the second in command. Why? Because when favor kicks in to your life, nothing can stop the blessing of God upon you. Lastly, for anyone who feels, but God, I'm forgotten. God, you, you don't remember. Lord, Lord, just stay faithful. I believe you, I believe you, I worship you, I honor you, I surrender to you. Your way is better than the ways of the world. Your ways are better than my flesh and all of my feelings. I choose you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What did they shout? What did the people shout? They shouted, make way. Favor makes room for you. Favor makes room for you. God will do it because he's great and powerful. Before I give you the, like I said, seven principles on favor, I want to read one quote from Max Lucado. I think this is so beautiful. Listen, there are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, to demonstrate his sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because he is fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you are the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. 
He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Anybody happy for the sunrise today? Hallelujah. Whenever you want to talk to him, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe. And he chose your heart. That's what he chose. He chose you. You're chosen by God. He chose your heart. Anybody happy to be chosen by Jesus? Hallelujah. There's no other philosophy, no other religion that expresses that kind of kind tenderness and love. That the individual, the person, the Bible says he knows how many hairs you have on your head. God chose your heart and he says, All I want is to live inside of you. Yes, we love you, Lord. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, question mark, face it, friend, he's crazy about you. And you know, sometimes we come into church and we're like, well, you don't understand what I've done, where I've been. But no, you don't understand what he's done. He understands what you've done. You don't understand what he's done. He knows our ugliness. He knows our dirtiness. He knows our foolishness. He knows all of those things. And he said, I love you because I see who you really are and I see who you could be because I made you in my image and I have a beautiful plan for you. And even though you have a fallen nature because sin entered into this world, it was the disobedience of man. It was the disobedience of man that made everything so ugly and hurtful and angry. But God had a better plan. God had another move. He sent his son Jesus. Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Jesus forgives. Jesus frees. Jesus loves. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God for the mercy of Christ. Hallelujah. No one like Jesus who loves us. He loves us with this amazing, amazing love. And so go home, read this story, underline those verses I just gave you, pray over the text. But I felt in my heart that this is very unusual for me because I like to preach the text. And I kind of did in a very kind of general way, but I felt in my heart like I wanted everyone to walk away with like core principles, all of these things were part of Joseph's life, but core principles of how do I live for the favor of God. And I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter 3. Listen to this, and we're going to walk through it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3. I know this is a lot of Bible today, but that's good. Everybody said, that's good. Come on, I got to hear you in Philly. Say, that's good. Let's go. Okay, my child, my child, never forget the, forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. 
If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them, tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, last principle, do not reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So very quickly, seven principles. I'm gonna hit these, but these are for you to meditate on. Look. I need to encourage you, when, the, when there's a verse in the Bible and it jumps out at you, okay, and read your Bible every day, okay, every day read your Bible. When there's a verse in the Bible that jumps out at you, the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you. So don't just say, oh, that's good. No, no, take that, okay, and then cook it. Cook it, think about it, think about it, circle it, chew it, the Bible says. Meditate is to chew, ruminate, right? And then you're gonna see that there is going to be more and more and more light and revelation and understanding, okay? So these are seven truths for you to think about, meditate on, and cook, and the first one is saying what I just said. I should have said this first. Would have saved us a little time. Principle number one, store up his commands in your heart. Store up his commands in your heart. Look, it says, store my commands, my child. Don't forget, store up my commands in your heart. If you do, you'll live many years. Your life will be satisfying. Here's what God is saying about his word. It's not a fast, a fad. It's not like, oh, let's read the Bible for a couple weeks. It's not like a taste test. It's saying, I choose to make the Bible the most important guide of my life. I make the Bible my pillar, my foundation, my priority, because it is the word of God. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. If you build your life on the word, you're building your life on Jesus. And if your heart is not full of the word of God, it will be full with something else. That something else will orient you away from the favor of God. So just start reading, say, but I don't know, there's so much, just start. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. A little of the Bible every day will fill you, fill you, fill you. Somebody please say amen. amen. Hallelujah. 
You see, and when the more you get filled with the word of God, the, the, the lower nature of Al Toledo, if I'm full of God's word, I've got something inside of me that's greater than me. That's what I need. I need something greater than me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. When you fill yourself with the word of God and your flesh says this way, the Holy Spirit says this way. And you learn to make the choices that release God's favor. So everybody say, store it up. Yeah, store up his commands. That's principle number one. Principle number two, be loyal and kind in a deep way. Be loyal and kind in a deep way. It says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find everyone favor. You'll find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. God wants us to be loyal and deep uh, uh, and kind at a very deep level. There's what your flesh wants. There's what the world tells you to want. There's what the devil wants. What God wants is for you and I to be kind and loyal to people. It means that as we walk through this world, even though people are mean, we are kind. Even though people are ugly, we are full of the love of God. Okay, I hear some people are saying, man, I want to say amen to that, but that's your face got, got, you understand? In a deep way, if you want to be like God, loyalty and kindness has to be deep. So people are mean to you, people talk bad about you, and what do you do? You bless, you don't curse. Come on, somebody say amen. Let's be like Jesus. In a deep way, it means that the very people who stab you in the back, when, when, they, when they're in a, look, if people stab you in the back, I guarantee you they'll be in a ditch. I've watched this so many times. I've watched this so many times in my life. People stab you in the back. They think they got it going on. And guess what? In the ditch. Because the Bible says, whoever digs a hole will fall into it. Whoever rolls a stone, it'll roll back on him. Okay? So somebody stabs you in the back, wait. And when the opportunity comes, don't you dare to be mean. Be loyal and be kind. You know why? Because Jesus is merciful to you. Anybody experience the mercy of God? Hallelujah. You want the favor of God, be loyal and kind. Sometimes people can hurt you in major ways. But find a way to get in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, I want to love them anyway. I want to love them anyway. How many would say amen to that? Amen. Number three, never rely on what you think. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. This is one of the reasons I say over and over and over, you've got to get out of the place where you live your life because I feel. 
We say, I feel, I feel, I feel. You know how I feel about this? I feel this, I feel that. And that's okay, you can have your feelings. But don't put your trust in your feelings. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. We need to move from I feel to the Bible says. The word of God says this and that is enough for me. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. This whole world is driven by people's feelings and it is jacked up. The whole world is messed up. And even in the body of Christ, people who live by I feel, I'm telling you right now, you could be a child of God, but if you live by I feel, you'll mess up your life. You will. God's way is the best way. Hallelujah. So look, when it comes to the moments where you can't see, or you can't understand, don't stop trusting God. That's when you learn, that's when you pull out these worship songs. That's when you start to sing, all my life you have been faithful. My heart is broken, but you are so, so good. You gotta learn how to say, I trust you, God, I don't understand this. I wish you would fix this. Do you know how many times I said, Lord, please fix this? But when God says, wait, you just wait and say, you know better than I do. Imagine how many times Joseph had to say, you know better than I do. That's life. That's the life of faith. Faith is what brings favor. It's faith. It's trust. He says, I trust you, God. I trust your ways, God. Listen, in um, early in Billy Graham's days, Billy Graham was arguably the greatest American evangelist in history thus far. Millions of people came to know Jesus through his words. And early in the beginning, there were, he was friends with another evangelist, actually the other Evangelist, his last name was Templeton. He actually had a little bit more prominence at a certain point than Billy Graham did. And then that guy, his name was Templeton, he started to get stuck on what they were saying in the academies and science and all of these things. He started to get stuck. And he actually left the ministry, he walked away. And listen to this. So he and Billy Graham were having this conversation. And Billy Graham said, I've discovered something in my ministry. When I take the Bible literally, when I proclaim it as the word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand on the platform and say, God says, or the Bible says, the Holy Spirit uses me. There are results. Wiser men than you or I have been arguing questions like this for centuries. I don't have time or the intellect to examine all the sides of the theological dispute. So I've decided once for all to stop questioning and accept the Bible as God's word. 
Listen, but Billy, I protested. I protested. This is Templeton. You cannot do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important question in life. Do it and you begin to die. It's intellectual suicide. He said, I don't know about anyone else, he said, but I've decided that that's the path for me. And so let me say something about science, politics, and on and on, okay? Anyone who takes the time to study the principles of the Bible and the truths of the Bible will find that they are absolute truth. But anyone who chooses in their heart to reject, because you, let's say you have an anti-supernatural bias, right? Like, you know, I can't, I can't turn this speaker into a, a BMW, how I wish I could, right? So, right? I can't do that because I'm not God. You understand? But that doesn't mean that there is not a being in the universe that exists that could do that, that could speak something out of nothing. Just because his word is that powerful that he can speak life into existence, okay? Now, someone may say, I don't believe that. I rather believe that somewhere billions of years ago, there was this green soup, and out of this green soup, a guppy was formed, a goldfish, and out of that goldfish, a frog was formed, and out of that frog, I don't know, uh, a squirrel or a rooster was formed, and on and on and on it goes. Somebody chooses to believe that. But here's my question, where did the soup come from? See, that's the answer that nobody wants to face. There had to be a first cause. And if there is a first cause, that first cause had to be intelligent. Okay, that first cause had to be powerful. If it was the first cause, that first cause had to be eternal. I'm telling you right now, anyone that will think about this with any sense of clarity, who has more faith? The person who says all of this just exploded into, out of, into being out of nothing, I think that's more faith than saying there was a God who created the universe and spoke it into being. Hallelujah. <laughs> Science is catching up with God. Science has always been catching up. New discoveries. You realize there's someone right now who's trying to figure out cancer and may God help them. But God has the power to heal cancer right now. Anybody believe that? He has the power. He has a solution right now. And so, so we can trust God's will. Principle number four, in light of that, okay, Acknowledge and seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Do you know this generation moves more than any previous generation in history? An average job is a little over a year. People hop from job to job. They hop from person to person. They cancel people. They embrace people. They leave, like, back and forth, back and forth, all over the place. And look, I'm not, if you just change your job, I'm not coming at you. I hope it was a good thing. 
But here's what I am saying. What I'm saying is God has a plan for your life. And if you pray, he'll show you. In Philadelphia, listen, if you pray, God will show you the way that you should go. He'll be with you. He'll be with you in Philly. He'll be here in Chicago. He's the first cause. He's the creator of the universe and at the same time, the lover of your soul. Couple more. Couple more. Don't be impressed with yourself. Mm. Verse 7 and 8 said, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Here's what it means. Don't be impressed with the way God has gifted you. This is a fatal flaw of man. God gifts us. We have an ability to do something. We make a living off of that. We get blessed off of it. And then, instead of being grateful, we take the credit. Don't take the credit. Be thankful. Be thankful. And say, Lord, I am so grateful. Listen, let the blessings of God make you grateful, not proud, dependent, not independent. Who, me? You know who I am? You know how much money I have in the bank? Could be gone in a second. Happens all the time. And if we're blessed, it's because he's blessed us. And whatever skill, talent, ability you have, just say thank you. Say thank you. Fear the Lord and say, God, you've given this to me. Fear the Lord doesn't mean be afraid of God per se. It just means respect God. I can't take this gift now and use it in a way that will dishonor you. Turn away from evil. Say, I just want to honor God with my life. I want to honor God with my kids. I just want to honor God. I just want to honor God. You know, I just had this thought real quickly. A couple more will be done, but you know, Tommy and I were in Georgia. Tommy was probably like 13 years old. We were in Georgia. And, um, and I was like, kind of like the BP coach. I would throw the kids batting. I was there all the time, cooking in that sun. And um, I remember one day was, we were at this big time tournament. And anyway, we played the first game. We had to go eat, then play the second game. And um, the, they said, hey, where are we going to go eat? They said, we have two choices. We could go here or the, uh, it was called the Tilted Kilt. So it's like a place where the ladies had their skirt from like here to here. And all the boys were like, yeah, we're going to go. And all the parents were laughing. And um, 
And it's funny because I knew sooner or later they were, they were going to, they were going to check us out, right? So we start walking, and one of the coaches saying, hey, you coming? I said, no, we're going to pass on this one, okay? We're good. We'll see you back. What time? 12.30? Okay, we'll see you back later. And I was able to just walk away with my son. I don't know what we got to eat. Um, but I felt like, yo, it is a blessing to be able to honor God. My son is married today. My son doesn't grow up the way the neighborhood I grew up. All the vile filthiness, all the ungodly things that we were taught. You know, I'm like, what a pleasure to be able to say no to something in front of everyone, in front of my son. And look, you could say no to evil and you could save one of your neighbors, one of your, your co-workers, one of your friends, and the smile of God will be upon your life. How many believe if we just fear, just fear the Lord and shun evil? Be godly, man. People will appreciate you. We don't, we don't live with entitlement. We don't say, I deserve this. I don't deserve anything. God has been good to me. Amen. Amen. Don't be impressed with yourself. Two more real quickly. Number six, honor God with your wealth. Thank you for those few amens. Everybody else is like hiding under the seat right now. Are they hiding in Philadelphia? Come on, sit up now. Listen, honor God with your wealth, the Bible says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Everyone say best part. With the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So look, the Bible says a lot. Do you know Jesus talked a lot about money? And I'm telling you right now, many years ago, I read the verse, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not uh, prevail against it. Thank you. And, and so the Lord reminded me that I don't have to depend upon you for his house to be taken care of. And that's why I've never looked at the tithing records of our church. I don't care who gives what in a sense. Here's what I care about. I care that you would honor God with your wealth. Because if you do honor God with your wealth, you will see incredible blessing upon your life. The Bible says bring the tithe into the storehouse. It means as soon as you get your paycheck, honor God, give God 10%. And you're like, wait a second. I remember, so go, let's go back 32 years, and I'm like, oh, tithe, I'm gonna give God 10% of my income as soon as I get paid, yes. And you're gonna see that in the same way you believe God in this area, this area, this area, you're gonna start seeing God do amazing things in your life. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, if you aren't God. See, the devil doesn't want me to say that. <laughs> Listen to me. If you honor God with your money, 
And listen, someone, um, uh, quit. someone was making $600 a month. So they would get there, as soon as they got their paycheck, they, 600, okay, they gave God 60. Then they started making 6,000 a month. And then they said, you mean I gotta give God 600? He said, okay, God will bring you back down to 600 and you give 60. <laughs> if you really believe that God brought you from 600 to 6,000, what are you doing? Honor God with your wealth and you will see. Come on, put your hands together. You know, Pastor Jake was sharing with me when he first got to the church that he was actually in the sound crew and Joe Ringel was giving a, one of, he's, he's not at our church anymore, but godly young man in our church gave one of the devos and off of this verse. And he was telling them, this is how Pastor Jake was inspired to start honoring God with his money. And he said, look, I read this. And this, he said, here's what he said. He said, this week I got paid. And when I got paid, I did the math. And the math didn't add up. What I was getting in was not enough. And I was like, Lord, are you asking me to give to you even before I pay my bills? Yes. I say that unashamedly. Now, when I first became a Christian, that made no sense to me. It's like, that's irresponsible. It's not. It's showing who you really depend on. And he said, and I did it. And he said, guys, as soon as I did it, it came from here, it came from there, it came from everywhere, and I paid all of my bills because our God is faithful. Hallelujah, he's faithful. And if you're faithful in the small, more will be given. That's the way it works. More will be given. Last one, we'll, we'll close in a moment. Last one. Don't reject heavenly discipline. I wish he would have put this six so I could close on the different, a higher note, but this is what he, this is where this is the order. Okay? But this is the truth. This is the truth. Look, my son, my daughter, do not despise Say these three words with me, ready? The Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Because God loves you, he will correct you sometimes. Any theology that says it's just all about you and happy pie in the sky and do whatever you want and all that, that's not the truth. God is your heavenly father and your heavenly father will from time to time correct you. And if God is correcting you, I plead with you, if God is correcting you, do not pout. 
Do not blame. Do not, do not resist and reject and develop an ear to hear. You know, sometimes God will correct you through the people around you. All the brothers who are married, don't you love when God corrects you through your sweet and lovely wife? You know? That's the way it goes sometimes. Wherever it comes from, if it's in the word, instead of pushing back at people, instead of pushing back, say, Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to correct me. Somebody please, in Philadelphia. Come on, everybody put your hands together. Hallelujah. He's saving you from yourself. God saves us from ourselves. And any Christian who doesn't get corrected by God, the Bible literally says this, then, then you're not really a child of God. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit will tap on your shoulder, say, I didn't like that. And the more sensitive you are, the more you'll start to hear the voice of God. Look, you know why people stop hearing God's voice? Almost done. I know I've talked a lot, but this is really important. It's a good family talk. Look, if, you, if God corrects you and you keep saying, no, that's not for me, no, that's not for me, then sometimes you don't realize you're turning the volume down. And God could be shouting at you, but you've been turning the volume down for so long you don't hear. It should be the reverse. The minute God, we should be able to hear the whisper of God and God saying, walk this way, turn this way. No, 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 don't say that. Oops, you ever, you ever have a moment you're like, oops, I shouldn't have I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I'm telling you right now, let the Lord redirect your life whenever he wants to.